Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? My name is Nate, and this is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Although it might be slightly less fantastic, I don't know. We'll see what we can do, because it's only me today. Charlie is never here today, and so I'm looking directly at an empty chair and waiting for him to say something. I don't think it's going to happen. Listen, the market's down a bunch. What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? This is why I actually... This is why I day trade. I will say, if you've been in long term over the last year or so, you've you know you've had a lot of gains. The market has gone up a lot. I and maybe it's to a fault. I have not been able to get something long term, hold it overnight, hold it for a year because I don't trust the state that the market's in. It's irrational to me right now. It needs to come back down. That's one thing you need to know if you're super worried about the market and all this talk about the coronavirus and and everything that's going on. The market has been irrationally moving up based on uh, little to nothing for quite some time now, based on a lot of debt based on a lot of debt trading where all these people are giving people margin to buy stock. They're, they're giving people debt. Hey, you put 10 grand in an account. Well, guess what? We're going to allow you to buy $60,000 worth of stocks and the market just keeps going up. Okay. It's coming back down sharply right now. Big move down in the last couple of days. And honestly, I, I think, you know, it might rebound here for the, for the next few days of the week. If you were to look at the, you could look at the SPY, which tracks tracks the S&P, not an exact result of the S&P. If you look at the SPY, it's down around 319 right now. It had hit a high of 339. It's down around 319. It's a pretty big move down, you know, pretty big. It's not small whatsoever, but... It's got a lot more room to come down if we want to get into to a safe area. It's at 319 right now. I see no reason if I were going to get in for even uh, a month or two, even for a couple weeks, I would not be looking to buy this thing until it comes down to at least the $300 level. That's where it needs to come down to. I, when I'm saying it needs to, it's not that I want it to come down. It's, it's just been going up and up and up and up, okay, on, on little, for little to no reason whatsoever. And it needs to come back down. It needs to find some support. It needs to find a safety zone where it can sit and we can have a new level of support for us to, to gather some strength and, and then continue back up. But this continuation, just moving up constantly, um, I don't feel safe getting in the long term. That's why I day trade. 
that's that's why I day trade and maybe that's to a fault. I'm not saying that that's a really good thing. I day trade because I only feel comfortable being in a stock to tell you the truth for five minutes. I just, I don't trust the market right now. And maybe that's irrational. Maybe that's wrong. You know, I got, uh, I got Apple. It was a couple of years ago. Oh, someone's at my door. I got Apple. Maybe it was a couple of years ago at the $100 level. I actually bought it. I got it at 98. And then when it got up to 200, I was like, ah, this is good. There's no way. I mean, it's, it's gotta come way back down now. This, I gotta take it. And then, you know, you go look at it and it's been all the way up to 327 in the last couple of weeks. I missed a whole other, a whole other 100% gain. I gained 100%, 98 to 200. I could have gained 200% on my trade. So I left a lot of money on the table right there. Those are the kind of decisions I make when I'm doing long-term trading. Uh, it's just out of fear of when the crash is going to come and I don't want to be holding that sucker when it happens. So right now I'd be looking for a good place to to get in and buy it. With Apple, you know, I would let it come down into, well, I think there's a decent, there's a decent area around the 270, 265 mark. It's at 295 right now. And for, let's see, if you wanted to wait and get it even lower, I think around the 225 area would be good too. I'm not saying it's going to go down there. I'm saying if it went down there, well, then I would be interested in taking it for, for a month or so. Well, let's see. Let's, let's see what happens. We'll, we'll go back to this podcast and, and we'll talk about it and we'll see if it did bounce off of those areas and whether or not those were good trades. This is good to have this recorded. But we have all this talk about the stock market. We had a fake tweet going around from Donald Trump, a fake tweet that was trending on Twitter last night. And when I saw the tweet... I mean, you could look at it. It was a screenshot of a tweet that said it was from 2015 where Donald Trump said that uh, if the Dow, the Dow Jones fell more than a thousand points, then it was the president's fault, basically, and that they should be, whatever, ashamed or embarrassed or it should be on them. He spelt in this tweet, Dow Jones was spelled incorrectly, J-O-A-N-S, instead of instead of the way, you know, uh, instead of how it should be spelled, which is J-O-N-E-S, J-O-A-N-S was how it was spelled, okay? Now, this was a fake tweet. You could look at it. You could see the picture. You could tell that the font was different. You could tell the font was darker than what you would see on Twitter. So when I saw it, and I saw it was trending, literally Dow Jones was trending, and there was this fake tweet going around, I'd, I searched it. I was like, ah, this doesn't seem... Correct. I'm not saying Trump wouldn't tweet some stupid stuff because I think we all know that that is in fact a possibility. But I saw it and I was like, well, this looks fake. First off, this, it looks fake. So I looked it up. Sure enough, first article came up was from Business Insider, not exactly a right leaning news organization. We read a lot of articles from there that we, uh, you know, disagree with all the time. So first thing that came up, Business Insider saying that people on Twitter were falling for a tweet, a fake tweet. That's really unfortunate to me because it's, this is not really a defense of, of Trump or of the stock market or of the economy or anything like that. You shouldn't need to lie about things. Like if, you, if your ideology is correct, if it's true, if it's the best thing, if it obviously offers the best opportunities, if it has a good track record, if it makes sense, you don't need to lie about anything. 
So when I, when I see that and I see it trending and it's a lot, you can see the comments on there or the retweets and everything, everyone, I mean, people with blue check marks and everything, retweeting, commenting, talking about how ridiculous and stupid Trump is and, and make, and I'm just like, it's a fake tweet. You know, that's just frustrating to me. It's, it's not even real. Where are all of the hardcore liberal leftist people who want fact checking in social media? Where are they crying for all of the fake news that's out there and for spreading misinformation? Where's Elizabeth Warren's Bureau of Truth when you need them? Where, where is that? Where is that? No, that, that's the thing. People, people support whatever their side is doing. They support things that support their ideology. So, you know, they're all going to be fine with this. They'll just be fine with it. I wanted to talk a little bit about, Charlie sent me this, this thing. We had a listener that had mentioned, there's someone that had mentioned AOC saying that, well, you know how we're going to pay for Medicare for all. We're going to pay for Medicare for all with a, it's the stock trade tax. And I've seen Bernie talk about the stock trade tax. Basically, he's allocated everything from the stock trade tax to all kinds of different things. It's going to pay for free college. It's going to pay for Medicare for all. We're just going to, we're just going to tax stock trades and it's going to pay for everything, right? Well, I've looked into the plan, even the rosy projections. I don't know how often you guys know how often do government projections or politicians and their projections actually reach those income numbers? Um, close to never, really close to never, almost. So he says it's going to raise $2 trillion. And you're like, okay, well, Medicare for all. Well, he says it's going to, Medicare for all is going to cost $3 trillion, $3.2 trillion. So um, this stock trade tax is going to raise $2 trillion. That seems like it's going to fix it. Oh, hold on. $2 trillion over 10 years. That's, that's the important. So $200 billion per year. And that is the driving factor behind how we're going to pay for Medicare for all. And it's not going to cost you anything. A plan that even the rosy projections, which by the way, they'll have, you know, here's the low range. He's going to give you whatever the lowest figure is, which is the $3 trillion number other people have said 3.2 trillion if you've got people estimating a government program around that you know it's actually going to cost anywhere between four to five trillion and it's going to be enacted in uh, about twice the time and about half the efficiency and quality so you can go ahead and take whatever you want from that but anyway this idea that the stock trade tax well you're just going to tax the evil wall street speculators right that's what you're doing so they want a half a percent tax, half a percent on every single stock trade, every stock trade. Okay. And this idea is that we're going to be taxing the evil Wall Street speculator. Now, speculators already got a bad, you know, kind of a bad idea behind it. That makes you, you know, ooh, speculator. I don't like that. That sounds bad. Oh, I don't like it when they say that. Socialist. I like it when they say that. That's why I like Yeah. So speculator. Well, that sounds like a bad word, but speculators are actually really important, by the way. Speculation, which is you're, you're, you're basically taking a bet 
that you know where the stock is going to go and speculation for you could say day trading where you're you're making decisions not exactly based on long-term fundamentals investment you're doing this you're going to be in a trade for a short amount of time uh, so that can be speculation or you can be speculating like you're selling futures say like what my dad deals with for his grain contracts well my dad's a farmer and he'll have an evil wall street speculator uh, will call him an evil wall street speculator will call him and say hey i can guarantee you a price of nine dollars per bushel for soybeans and just say the price is sitting around nine dollars right now it's a market remember the price goes up and down the price continuously goes up and down on this market so the speculator calls and says hey i will buy this many bushels of soybeans from you for nine dollars here's your contract right there for nine dollars now he's taken a bet right there that the price is actually going to be above nine dollars because what he's saying is i'm going to pay nine dollars for this i'm going to buy it from the farmer for nine dollars and the market's actually going to be at ten dollars and here we go i'm going to make a quick return on my money but what's also the possibility is that it could be lower than nine dollars this has actually helped my dad out a lot in years where we had big droughts or floods or the market was doing really poorly and you see all the prices and they look terrible and they'll be like well but i have a lot of contracts you know for for this price so he's getting a higher price already that's speculation also there's a market speculator that is making those contracts on the grain that type of stuff is important because it allows people like my dad it also allows people who are running other types of businesses to make more long-term decisions to have a little bit more certainty so my dad can say i know i'm going to get this price for at least this many bushels and therefore i can make decisions for my business that are based on knowing for sure i'm going to have this income the rest of it's going to be variable you know it's going to it's going to be variable but i can make some decisions knowing i'm at least going to get this much for this many bushels and uh, that makes me feel a lot safer. Maybe I can make some investments. Maybe I can hire some more people. Maybe I can, you know, uh, start a retirement account of my own sometime. You know, it, it makes everything a, a lot more certain for you. So speculation, while it's, they talk about it as if it's this terrible, crazy, volatile, greedy, awful thing that exists in the stock market these people who are actually making this speculation that are speculating that are taking bets and saying i bet i can give a contract for this and sell it for more later they're actually adding in a lot of certainty for people that are investing in the market and it's kind of a it's kind of the reverse idea of what they would paint it as so you get this idea that we're going to run a stock trade tax of half a percent well that just sounds like nothing doesn't it that doesn't sound like much at all here's the issue you have this idea that you're going to buy these stocks it's only half a percent that's not very much you think of it as like a sales tax almost that's how it looks to you well i already pay a seven or eight or if you're in nashville a nearly 10 percent sales tax on everything that i buy this half a percent sales tax on this stock well that's just nothing 
And why shouldn't they be paying a stock sales tax also? The problem is, that's not what this is at all. Here's the problem. You're going to pay a half a percent when you buy it. You're going to pay a half a percent when you sell it. If you sell it for higher, then it's going to be a higher half, a per, a half of a percent, by the way. It's, that's a progressive tax, like a sales tax. Okay, if the price is higher on something, your 10% sales tax is going to be a lot higher. So you end up paying 1%, you know, give or take a couple tenths of a percent whenever you get in and out. Now, why is this such a bad thing? You're thinking, you still got that thing in the back of your mind. You're like, well, I pay a 10% sales tax whenever I go buy some clothes or some food or whatever. What's wrong with these guys paying a 1% sales tax? The average stock market gain year over year, your retirement account, your 401ks, your, the average gain on the S&P is about 8% per year. Now, here's the problem. That 1% comes out of that, that 1% makes it a 7% gain instead of 8. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but that right there is a 12.5% reduction because you're going to get 7% instead of 8. That is a 12.5% reduction in what your gain would have been. That is essentially a 12.5% tax on what your gains were going to be. And then you got a capital gains tax on top of that. That's another 15%. So it's not as easy as it sounds. And now, you know, you're thinking, well, who cares? These evil Wall Street people, no one cares about them. They've got plenty of money. They've got all this money. I don't really care what they're doing. Jeff Bezos has got all the money in the world. Well, here's the problem. Over half of the country has got money in the stock market. So here's the problem. If you've got your retirement, your 401k, your pension plan, you're in a mutual fund, you got an IRA, you got some kind of thing like that going on, and you're hoping that you're going to make 6, 7%, something like that every single year. Well, the people that are making those investments for you are going to incur a half a percent tax when they buy the stocks that they're buying for you. And then they're going to incur a half a percent tax when they sell those stocks for your gain. So this is a bit of an issue because where do you think that's going to come out of? You think they're just going to graciously pay that 1% tax? You think they're just going to pay it and say, well, we'll just take that out of our profits. That's what we we'll know. You ever pay your cell phone bill and you see that bottom line item where it says taxes and fees? That's what you're going to have. And you've already got that line item. Now you're going to have another one. It's going to be called the BS stock trade tax is what it would be called. So now you're going to have that line item. Let me explain to you how the money on this works just so you can understand why this is, this is fairly upsetting and it's really dangerous to people who are trying to invest money and have a retirement. This is really, this is really dangerous. This is very bad for these people. You see, Bernie would just like everyone to be on Social Security or on a pension. They just want everyone to have Social Security. Don't worry, we'll take care of you whenever you retire. We'll just have Social Security. Social Security is a terrible, terrible return. You end up making around 2% on your money that you put in over that entire time. I mean, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. 
When you literally, if you would have been putting the exact same amount of money into the stock market for that amount of time, you would have over a million dollars in a bank account. No, you're going to make about $1,300 a month from the government. No, just, just get over it. Get over it. It's better for the government to have this. This is better for you. Just, hey, it's better for you guys. What, you hate poor people? Come on. So let's talk about why this is such a big deal for people who are trying to retire. Let's say that you're going to buy $10,000 worth of stocks this year to put towards your retirement account. That's pretty good. That means you're making a pretty good income if you're going to buy $10,000 worth of stocks. Okay, so you're going to buy that. You're going to get a half a percent tax when you buy that. Now that's 50 bucks. Doesn't sound like too much. You put in $10,000, you paid 50 bucks. If you sell it, you, and it's $10,000 still, you pay another 50 bucks. Now what's first off very interesting right there is that you could buy $10,000 worth of stocks and lose 50, or then you could, you could sell your $10,000. You could actually not lose money on the investment because you bought it 10,000, say it went up some, it started coming back down, you decided to take your $10,000 out. Okay, so you're even on your trade, right? Well, no, um, you're, gonna, you're gonna be down 1% because the government's gonna take a half a percent and it's gonna take a half a percent out whenever you sell. Okay, so now you're down 1% on it. You lost 100 bucks, and it wasn't because you made a bad decision on your trade. You lost it just purely because there was a tax. So first off, you've got more risk on the downside. When you buy into a stock or when you invest money, you are starting from down 1% now. You are immediately negative 1% under this rule because you're going to lose half a percent when you buy it. You're going to lose half a percent when you sell it. So you're already starting from negative 1% when you go to invest your money. So now you got to work your way out of that hole. Now let's say that it, you make your standard return, just say it's 8%. You make yourself a nice, what, what would that be? 8% would be 800 bucks on your, on your 10,000. So you make your 800 bucks and then you go to sell. Say, hey, I'm up 8%. I'm going to get out of this. I took a nice 8% gain on here. Well, now you're going to have a half a percent tax on selling it. Well, here, here's what sucks. Your tax getting out since you actually made money, well, your tax that you pay getting out is going to be higher because it's on a higher amount of money now. It's on a higher value. So now you paid 50 bucks to get in and you're going to pay $54 to get out. You lost $104 there in, in taxes getting in and out. Remember, you had an $800 gain. That was an 8% gain. And then you lost 104 in taxes. So now you've actually only made $696 when you could have made 800. So let's look at what that 104, that $104 out of the 800 that you were going to make. Well, that's 13% right there. That's 13% less than what you would have had. That's not even counting commissions for paying the people that are making the trades for you. Just from this tax, which Bernie and the AOC, they're obviously selling to you as, oh, it's just a half a percent tax. That's the problem. People aren't thinking about the fact that this is going to take a massive amount out of your potential gains. So if you make 
that 8% and you're happy, I just made, I just made the average, I made my 8%, I'm taking that, you get 13% less because of that tax. That is a 13% tax on your retirement. That's what that is, okay? That's a 13% tax on your retirement. But it's being sold, obviously, as a tax on the evil Wall Street speculation. And guess who's going to pay it? Every single person who's trying to invest in some type of future, some type of retirement, that's who's actually going to pay the tax. This tax is an immediate decrease of 13% or so, depending on what kind of gains you have. And then, and then, it's going to be tough for us to sit here and calculate what effect that has when that compounds over 20 years. Having 13% less money, less gains compounding. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. That's what, that's what Albert Einstein said, okay? This is going to be a massive, massive reduction. If this were to take place over 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, while you're saving up for retirement, while you're investing towards retirement, you are talking literally 30, 40, 50% less in what your retirement account would have in it at the end of that time. I've actually done the math. I did it last year uh, when I was just doing these crazy spreadsheets, trying to see exactly what this would take, what the com compound interest would change over time. This is a ridiculously massive reduction in your p potential retirement. But don't worry, guys. It's only for the evil Wall Street speculators. I'm sure they're going to cover those taxes and fees out of their end. There's no way that that's going to be a line item at the end of the year on your returns that said, here's what you had as a return. Here's the taxes and fees down here at the bottom. No, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen at all. So we got to talk about some actual solutions, something that's really going to solve a problem. Okay. Healthcare is too expensive. We say it all the time. We could talk about ways to actually reduce that. You know, we're having these conversations with people who disagree, have a fundamentally different ideology with how most of us think. Completely different ideology. They've got different personalities. They've had different lives. We've all had different lives, okay? Completely different. We've got to talk about some of these portions of this ideology. We've got to figure out whether or not any of it makes sense. What kind of responses can you have to people when they're out there spouting this ideology? The number one thing a Sanders supporter will say, it's actually the, the, the go-to is, well, X percent of the wealth creation has gone to the top one-tenth of one percent over the last however many years. You guys know, you've heard that a million times. Whatever the percentage is, you've heard that a million times. Where did all that come from? And is it actual wealth? Is it just what's in the stock market? You could look at a pretty good example. We talk about Jeff Bezos all the time. 85% of Jeff Bezos's wealth is in his ownership of Amazon. If the entire country is pouring their retirement accounts into Amazon stock and the stock is shooting up to $3,000, 
or whatever it is, 2185, what it hit last week. Well, then Jeff Bezos, yeah, he's got a lot richer. You can look at his wealth, technically, his net wealth, and you can say, well, look, all of the wealth is concentrating into this one person. Well, he just owns, he just, he owns a large portion of Amazon. I think it's 12% now is what he owns because his wife, wife got a pretty good deal. Wife got a pretty good deal in that, uh, his ex-wife got a pretty good deal in that divorce, for sure. Billionaire, automatically. Well, <laughs> nicely enough, she has signed the billionaire giving pledge well, she, where she will give away half of her wealth. Does that count as Jeff Bezos giving away a portion of his wealth towards that giving pledge? I don't know. Who knows? You look at how these people have made so much money, right? The, all the wealth is going towards them. Well, look at the stock market. Freaking things up like 30%. I don't know how much it's up. But that's where all this money's coming from. It's a fake number. Guess what? If the market continues to crash and it continues to crash and it gets all the way down, all, almost all of that wealth that's been created, that wealth that has been concentrated around the top, the top one-tenth of one percent, it will all evaporate immediately. Now you'll hear about how people's retirement accounts are getting hit really hard. They also won't pay attention to the fact that that big statistic on how much money had gone to the top one-tenth of one percent, well, that money doesn't even exist anymore. Look at Jeff Bezos once again. Since last Tuesday, by the way, Jeff Bezos has lost $11.5 billion since last Tuesday. That's $2.7 billion for, uh, I think, each one of his work days since then. Those aren't very good work days. Let me tell you what, just a little over $2 billion per work day. Who's talking about that? How much of the losses have been concentrated in the top one-tenth of 1%? Why isn't anyone talking about that? All of this money that they're talking about, this wealth inequality, most of it can be traced back to stock holdings in the stock market. And that money, as we're finding out this week, is not even real. Not even real money. It's debt money. People taking out debt to buy stocks, the Federal Reserve pumping money in there. It's not even real. You see all this stuff evaporating overnight. You see, you see Jeff Bezos' wealth going down almost $12 billion in one week. It's not real money. It's not real money unless he cashed out the entire thing when it was up there last week. Then his actual wealth has gone up that much, but it would be impossible for him to cash that out anyway. He would never be able to cash out $130 billion. No possible way. We'll talk about that some other time. So first off, you have to attack the idea that that's even true, the wealth inequality. How much of that is tied to the stock market? Is that money real? Are you still going to talk about this when the stock market crashes back down to where it was three, four, five years ago? Are you going to tell me how much the wealthy have gained in that time? No, 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 you're probably not. Probably not going to. You've got all this debt money pouring into people's companies. We talk about Uber all the time. Never made a dollar. Never made a dollar off of one of their workers. They have lost money on every one of their entitled workers that thinks they're getting screwed over every time they give someone a trip. Uber has lost money on every single one of those trips. That's what's actually happened. Their CEO said he doesn't think they'll ever be profitable. They could be. Maybe they're going to turn it around. They never profited any money. They're worth $60 billion. How are they worth $60 billion if they've never profited anything? Now, people like Sanders and AOC will say that 
they're worth $60 billion. Therefore, there's been $60 billion worth of wage theft that has been perpetrated on their workers. He's sucked. He is... He sucked out $60 billion from the workers while they were getting paid slave wages. He was able, the company was able to suck out $60 billion from their profits. They've never had any profits. $60 billion is just a valuation. That's just what some ratings agencies and some investment, some, some venture capital people, some investment people put as a valuation on their company. Say they, they're worth $60 billion. They've got a lot of people buying their stocks. When they're not worth anything. They don't have any money. They got some money, but they got way more debt and they're not making any money. They're only losing money. So how is it that we can still make this argument that that 60 billion must be because they were uh, stealing from their workers, the wage theft, this Karl Marx idea still, how is it still in everyone's minds? We've got surplus value. That's what it is. It's the surplus value and the, the evil 1%. Well, they're taking it from them. No, they're not. People are freely giving them that money. And it's not the workers. It's everyone's retirement accounts. It's everyone who has a little bit of extra money to trade in the stock market. It's everyone who's given out loans for business investments. Money's not coming from profits. Amazon's total profits ever. Between 40 and $50 billion net profits, not, not talking about their gross profits, net profits when you account for all of their losses for 15 years and then what they've actually netted over the last 10, uh, what's it actually been, seven, something like that, that they've been profitable. When you actually account for what they've netted over that time, just maybe close to $50 billion, something like that. How are they worth a trillion dollars? How's Jeff Bezos worth $130 billion? He's not worth it because they've been thieving from the workers. He's worth it because people have been voluntarily buying into their public stock, by the way. Their publicly owned stock, their publicly traded stock, where anyone in the world can obtain ownership of Amazon. That's what the public stock market is, my dear socialist friends. They're buying in to the public stock market where they obtain ownership, where they can get paid some dividends, where they can make money as the company makes more profits and their wealth can go up too. If you obtain some ownership portion of the company, it's available right now. They're making money because people are freely doing that. And the more people, the more demand they have, the more people that want to come in and do that, the more it pushes their stock price higher, the more money Jeff Bezos is technically worth. That does not mean that it was scraping off the top of the workers. This idea of wage theft, well, that barely applies in the Amazon sense, but they think about everything, everything. If you're making a profit off of the workers at all, well, that's wage theft. That's the workers' value that you're stealing right there. Well, that's added value onto the prices that you're charging for everything when you're doing that. What would the worker's value be if the person hadn't started the business? No one accounts for that. Well, they think, well, of course, the, the business also wouldn't be valuable because they wouldn't have any workers. Okay, well, you can always ask which one had to happen first. One of them had to happen first. If it were the workers banding together to start a company and that's what naturally happened first, 
Well, then we wouldn't even have an issue right now because they'd all be out there starting all of their own worker-owned companies, wouldn't they? There's no law saying they can't do it. That's not what happens first. What happens first is a risk taker comes in and takes a risk. They come in and they make a bet. They make an investment, something they think that they're going to have a return on. And maybe it's not even for that reason. Maybe it's because they love what they're doing. Maybe they think they're helping the world. Maybe they think they're making it a better place with what they're doing. Whatever the reason is, they come in and they have to risk the money to start that. So if you're getting paid $11 an hour and the business is taking in $15, $16 an hour off of your labor and you're like, well, obviously my labor is worth $15 or $16 an hour. You're not taking into account what your labor would be worth if that building or that business wasn't there. How much would you get for standing in that place not doing anything? Your labor, I doubt many people would come there and just hand you $16, $17 once an hour. Hey, there's a guy standing right there, not doing much. Let me hand him $16, $17. That's not what would happen. You're, for lack of a better phrasing, worthless while you're standing there not doing anything. So it's not fair to completely excuse the value that was added by the person taking the risk and the investment in building that business. You saying that your labor is worth that full value, that entire value, you're, excuse, you're not thinking about what your labor on its own without anyone putting that business there, without anyone p- putting the risk in for the materials, what would your labor be worth then? to those people, nothing. It wouldn't be worth anything because you wouldn't be producing anything of value. So there's a value added by the business owner. There's a value added by these corporations. So this wage theft idea, it completely excuses the value that has been added to your labor by that business or business owner. It's assuming that your labor would still be worth that exact amount purely because you were walking around in circles in that single location. That's not the case. There's an obvious added value from the business owner. So there's wage theft. It don't make no sense, okay? It just doesn't work. Boat's not going to float. We think about this wealth generation, all this money going to people. Why does that even matter? What does Jeff Bezos being worth $130 billion have anything to do with me? or how much money I can make. That argument only works, and this is why we've been picking this apart piece by piece. That argument only works if you believe that the wealth that Jeff Bezos has has been taken from the workers unjustly. Then you can think that Jeff Bezos being worth $130 billion or something like $118 billion now, then you can think that that was somehow at your expense because obviously it had to be due in part to wage theft. That's what it had to be. You've got this fixed pie mentality, this idea that money is some kind of fixed, there's some kind of fixed amount. That's not true whatsoever. If that were true, what would we have in circulation right now? About a million dollars, something like that? Yeah, it's obviously not a fixed pie. You don't spend much time proving that money is not a fixed pot of resources. How much money do you think we had in circulation 100 years ago? Now, a lot of it's from the Federal Reserve. That's not good. A lot of it's been from actual value creation. 
this idea that the wealth of another person has something to do with you and that that's somehow holding you down has to come from the idea that for that person to obtain that wealth, they had to take it from people and hold them down. You have to think that. I think we've pretty much explained how that's not the case. Amazon's profit over the entire time they've existed, $50 billion, even if it's 60, even if it's 70 or 80. Jeff Bezos is worth $130 billion. The company's worth a trillion dollars. Can someone do the math on that for me real quick? It's not because they were taking money from the profits, from the workers. There hasn't been that much profit from the workers. Not whatsoever. The money he's worth is because millions of people around the world have taken their money freely and given it to his company because they believe that that money is going to give them a return over time. And that's why he has that money. Not because he took it from the workers. You can look at plenty of companies that have never made a single dollar off of their workers, ever. They've never profited from them at all. And they're still worth billions of dollars because millions of people around the world took their money and they freely gave it to that company's account because they believed that that would turn, turn them a profit over time. And by the way, you can do this too. Just like I said earlier, talking about worker ownership of corporations, buy some stocks. Well, that's a crazy idea. Oh, crap. What if it goes down? And why are you crying for ownership then? You don't think an owner has to worry about the value of the company going down? Do you want to be an owner or not? An owner has got to take the risk that they're going to lose all their money. You should start buying if you want to have a lot of shares of something. Take a big risk if you want to be like a Jeff Bezos kind of owner where you're going risking that you're going to lose everything. Well, just go buy 100 shares of some $1 stock. I'm not actually saying you should do this. But over time, you're going to end up with a tons of shares of this company. And if it pops, well, Jeff Bezos is going to be jealous. You're going to have tens of thousands of shares of this stock that just went up a few thousand percent. Everyone's going to hate you automatically. And then you're going to say, well, I'm the one that was sitting here taking this risk. That could have gone down to zero, man. Did you take that risk? Were you putting that money into that stock knowing that it could have gone down to nothing? No, I was doing that. Why are you mad at me? You could do it too. You could start doing this. I do think everyone should do this. I said I'm not good at holding stuff long term. Anytime my family comes to me and says, hey, what do you think I should do with my retirement account? I'm like, pull it out, put it in cash, wait for the crash. That's what I say every single time. I said, I cannot tell you that you should buy something long term right now because of today. Literally a week ago, my family was saying, oh, we need to tell you to tell us what to put some of this money into. I said, take it out. Last week, literally, I said, take it out of there. I cannot say that you should buy anything right now because we are due for a big one. Now, when the big one happens, put it back in. But you guys can do this too with just a little bit of money. Just a little bit. Put $5 a week into something. $5. Put it into a savings account. And when it gets up to a few hundred bucks, then buy a share of the S&P, the, the SPY, SPY. Get on your Robinhood or your Weeble app or whatever. Actually, you know what? I'll put a referral code where you can get a free stock on there. Put some referral codes in our podcast notes today. 
helps me, helps you. Just start putting money into that account. Once it gets up to enough to buy a share of the SPY, start buying some of it. The long-term trend of the market, if you're looking for retirement, if you're looking for 25 years down the road, the long-term trend of the market is always up. It's always up. It's, it's never, never not made money over that amount of time. You can be an owner of a company. You can find a company. Pick Apple. Become an owner of Apple. You'll get all their paperwork, all kinds of stuff. You get all kinds of their, their meeting notes and everything. Become an owner of Apple. Stop complaining about people who own Apple and buy some Apple. Become one of their owners. I don't understand why people don't get this. We've already got publicly owned companies. And those are the ones everyone hates the most. We got 10,000 publicly traded companies where you can freely save up a little bit of money and become an owner of one of those companies and you won't do it because you're too scared to lose money, which completely defies the idea that you're mad you're not an owner of one of the companies. Get on Robinhood or Weeble. If you want to start just putting money towards it, you know, start putting five bucks a week in there. When you get a little bit of money saved up, buy a stock, but have the right time horizon on it. If you got a 20-year time horizon, you don't need to look at a day like yesterday or like today and be freaking out. That's the problem. Everyone's freaking out. You got to let it, if you got a 20-year time horizon, you need to open that app like once a year, once every two years, something like that. Because you'll end up freaking out and selling it and then you'll miss a massive move. That's what will happen. We're doing a day trading course. None of this stuff I'm talking about really pertains to day trading because I only like being in stocks for a few minutes. Now on the long-term stuff, you know, we, my wife, when we got the 401k, they're holding stuff long for us, whatever. Not thinking about that one. Day trading stuff. If you're interested, I've been doing that for several years now, I guess. Started looking at that five years ago. Been trading for a few years now. Uh, come up, you know, I had ups and downs. I found out that managing your emotions was the most difficult part of day trading. Learning all the stuff which looks really complicated. That's really not that hard. You know, you might think of it as learning another language. It's like learning another language that has like 25 words. That's, that's really it. So it might look difficult, but it really is not. And so we're doing this day trading class, Liberty Trading Academy. You guys can send me an email if you're interested in signing up for it. We're going to start the class next week. I'm loading up all of the content onto the website right now. Um, it's going to be $47 a month. We're going to cover everything from learning how to read a chart all the technical stuff you look at you know people see the line charts on the news or on movies that's not what day traders use they're using candlestick charts what the heck is a candlestick we'll talk about that what that means some good patterns finding support and resistance maybe there's an indicator maybe there's a an indicator that you need to look at what the volume is all that kind of stuff. We're going to go over the very basics from literally opening up some charting software platforms and how to set it up, how to look at it properly, what time frames you need to be looking in. Then we'll be going over the three strategies that I use, which is pop, bounce, and retire, PBR. I use three different strategies trading every single day. Okay. We'll be talking through all of this stuff. And then if you want, there's the opportunity to watch me pick the stocks and the price levels I'm going to trade. You can watch in the pre-market. And then you can also listen in and watch live when I'm trading live if you want to. So if you're interested in actually doing some of this, if you're interested in getting involved in 
making a better life, doing something you might actually enjoy. I love trading. I have not gotten sick of it yet. I've been doing it every single day for years now, and it's still exciting every single morning. How many of you guys have that about what you do every day? What, how many of you guys have that? Not that many. I'm not saying that's wrong. Not everyone's going to love what they do every single day. But if there is something you can do every single day and you can enjoy it, and you can make a lot of money doing it, well, why not do it? Because it's too risky? Well, better not be complaining about those people who are making all that money then. If you're interested, send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. If you want to get involved in this trading class, like I said, it's going to start next week. Send me an email if you're interested. We'll be sending out uh, emails to everyone who has emailed, you know, let them know all the details about the class, where to go and officially sign up for it. All those things, that's all going to be coming out this week. So if you want to get involved in that, hey, hit me up, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Uh, if you guys have any ideas for what you want me to discuss sometime, what you want Charlie and I to discuss sometime on this podcast, some kind of news item, you see a news story, and you're like, hey, what the heck is this? What's up with this? What do you think about that? How do I tear this apart for my friends? Send it over. We'll talk about it. Send me that email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Subscribe to the podcast. I said that about 50 minutes late. I'm sure that if you listen this far in, you've subscribed to the podcast. So. That's good. Become a supporter on Patreon. We got all kinds of price levels on there. You're going to get yourself a free Bernie Lies mug. You're going to get live Q&A once a month. You're going to get all of these different options, like an extra podcast episode every week. You're going to get the pre-roll and the post-roll, although it's a little bit off this week because Charlie's not here. So some of that stuff's been a little bit weird. You're going to get video blogs, which I normally do. Like when I'm driving long drives, I'll, I'll take like a 30-minute video and uh, just raw, unfiltered, whatever I'm thinking. We can comment back and forth and talk about those subjects. There's all kinds of different, all kinds of different price tiers on there. We've got our, gotten ourselves a couple new supporters on there, and we really do appreciate you guys for sure. So you can go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. And once again, if you want to do something for free, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. You guys do all those things. We'll be right back here tomorrow. I think there's a debate tonight. Gosh. Dang it, I'm sick of debates. I don't know if we'll cover it. We'll see. We'll see. You guys do all that. I'll be right back here again tomorrow. Charlie will be here on Thursday, and I will be here tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.